This is the Roaring Elephant podcast, and we are broadcasting today from our home offices in rural England, somewhere, somewhere, and in the middle of the Dutch the Republic. <laughs> Not sure if that's a bad Republic. word or a good word. I don't know. No. <laughs> I was trying to be original, but here's Dave for better originality than I can ever offer. Hi, Dave. Uh, hello, hello, hello. Yes, indeed. We are talking once again uh, remote working, and uh, we we had the. I would love to say that we had the fabulous foresight of talking about this topic in depth back in uh, December 2019 uh, with uh, our good friend uh, Rudolf from Remotive IO just before really the uh, stuff hit the fan. And uh, yeah, it, honestly, it couldn't have been more apt from a timing perspective, but really it was very much luck more than judgment. Well, I wouldn't call uh, this all luck, but coincidence. <laughs> well, okay, coincidence <laughs> then. Um, but but we're, we're going to uh, once again revisit this topic with a new lens. Obviously, mm. people are going through uh, or have been through an interesting, uh, interesting 2020 and uh, 2021, you know, we're, we're in a new year, but things don't immediately change quite that quickly. So we're, we're going to be in some sort of a variety of this for some time to come. But yeah, we have we have Rudolf back with us. We're going to talk about over a, a couple of episodes the, the the sort of the various different areas of this. We're going to talk about how things are right now and how things have been through uh, 2020 for people, and then we'll we'll get on to some of the future a bit later. So, unless there's anything else from you, Jan? Uh, no. Let's go to Rodolf. You already said his name almost, so I know you're anxious to join to have him join us. So let's go into it. And uh, that was a great discussion, I think. So yeah, enjoy. no, always, always in, always a pleasure chatting with with Rudolf, with Rudolf. So yeah, let's let's get to it. So the aforementioned guest joining us today is uh, is someone that we've met before, coming back to us from. Uh, December 2019, it's Rudolf from Remotive.io. Welcome back, Rudolf. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. It's an absolute pleasure. We, we had a, a great time back sort of late 2019 uh, talking about remote working, and we did a, a three-part series back then. Uh, little little did we know back then just, just what an impact uh 2020 would have in uh, the remote working world but uh, you know this is a, a new iteration of that series you know obviously you you uh, are part of or founder of remotive io you know tell us a bit about yourself for those that didn't catch the initial series um you know how did you find yourself uh, in this sort of position for sure my name is Rodolf. i'm french and i work for france i work remotely of course I got started in the tech community in 2010, working at Google. And the beginning of my journey was to sell Google Drive and Gmail to companies that has become uh, G Suite by now. And I started to have a lot of conversation with IT directors and CIOs around the fact that, well, um, you know, IT that you had on premise could potentially move to the cloud, enabling you to work from anywhere. And that spiel and that way of thinking stuck with me and I started to think, okay, well, some of the companies that we encounter, such as Google and other big ones, 
they have tons of people working on campuses, but what if you could work from anywhere? What if you could work from home, a coffee shop or a co-working space? And that set me on a journey to work remotely at Startup Myself as director of operation and finance in, in a startup. Uh, and as a consequence, I had to hire remotely. I was hiring across 12 different time zones. And my friends started to ask me, well, how do I do the same thing? How do I start to work remotely so that I don't have to commute anymore? And a lot of people started to get interested uh, about flexibility and you know having more time for themselves. Uh, as a consequence, I started Remotive, which is a website and business that I run now. We are a job board, a community, and a media helping people that want to work remotely connect with companies that are hiring remotely. And we did connect uh, about a year ago, and I'm so happy we get to catch up again to see how things have changed. And uh, I'd love to hear how you've been you know, going through 2021 as well, 2020. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, I mean, we we had a had a great conversation back in in twenty nineteen, and um, like it, it couldn't have been more prophetic because um, throughout twenty twenty, obviously, the coronavirus has uh, changed the landscape for remote working somewhat. Um, I, th I think that on on my side, uh, I, I would say I've been been very lucky stayed sort of healthy and happy and all that sort of thing and um yeah just zero travel has meant um you know a lot of uh, a lot of endless uh, days on on zoom and meet and hangouts and every every other remote uh, sort of communication method known to man but you know business has been good and everything else has, has trended in the right direction um jan how about you how's how's it sort of changed things for you well, for me, I'm kind. Of, I think I'm in a minority because I enjoy this very much. Not the Corona thing; that's horrible. I, I'm not saying that's good at all, but I feel you're so much more productive being able to do this remotely. I mean, I do like six meetings a day t t uh, lately, and it's not an effort; it just works. While if you had to go on site, go to customers, which has its advantages as well, of course, but still, it's a lot less productive. And basically, from a technolo technology uh, employment point of view, because that's what I do. I work with computers, with servers and machines anyway. Uh, human contact is good. And I would also say that it has gone, gotten better. Because at the beginning mm. of the pandemic, there was a lot of how do we do this and people who aren't used to this. But we'll get in more depth to that <laughs> in the episode, I guess. So it did improve a lot over time. So maybe if you asked me this 12 months ago, I would have said something different. But for the moment... Mm -hmm. On the one hand, I'm, of course, I'm hoping it's going to go away and it's going to go back to something more normal again. But I'll be a little sad to see it go, to be honest. But yeah. I do think I'm, in a, I'm a minority. <laughs> um, I mean, Rudolf, you, you speak to so many different organizations. Um, you know, what what do you think the, the sort of the overall trend from the organizations you speak to is around, you know, how, how they've how they've adjusted to this this new state of, of being. Yeah, it's been interesting to see the differences. Basically, there are two buckets or two categories. If you work with computers or around computers, you're in luck and your chances are you'll have more opportunities work-wise. If you don't, pandemic has certainly been very, very tricky. So for the sake of this podcast, I'll just focus on you know companies that work with technology and people that work says white color computer facing just just broaden that a little bit 
So remote work used to be a perk, something you could do that a company will toss in aside, like right next to your uh, retirement account or your health insurance for US companies, for instance. And all of a sudden it became a contingency plan. It became the thing we had to do in order for a company to survive and thrive. So it hasn't been typical remote work in 2020. It has been, you know, let's make this work. So people have not chosen to jump into it. They were shown the way to do it. And we've been working through a crisis with a lot of constraint. So I feel like 2020 was probably, you know, we've been in the thick of it. A lot of people have been adjusting. Unlike the two of you who've been used to it, a lot of people did not do that before. So companies a year ago, well, say March to June 2020, were really panicking about, can we make this work? And nearly a year later, answer is most of the things did not break. So how do we make it you know, good and great in the future is going to be a different conversation. But a lot of us have to jump headfirst in something they did not wish for or they did not know. And that has been a little bit tricky from a morale and productivity standpoint, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the point that you mentioned there around like a lot of people, this is, this is brand new to them and it's, it's worth touching on at least to mention that the, the sort of the remote working experience that many people are having, not everybody, but many people are having today is not the typical remote working experience that many people would have had previously uh, in in sort of pre-pandemic times. I think for better and for worse. I think for better because you you have you know you have organizations that are remote first, you have organizations that are like fully remote, you have organizations that are uh, let's say remote tolerant, yeah. <laughs> um, and and you know for the most part everybody now is is in this fully remote bucket. At least from from the if we focus on the category that you 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 started off this conversation around, yeah. and and that's that's been a benefit in some ways because it's meant that everyone has had to adapt to this kind of situation together. But it's it's been a, a negative in other ways because people have had to do it, you know, uh, not at their own sort of uh, at their own pace or their own desire, and their organisations have not necessarily had all of the the processes, procedures, you know, ways of of doing business and all those kind of other things in place. Do you think, is that, I mean, that's my sort of view of things. Is that fair, do you think? Do you think that's kind of accurate or do you think there's something yeah, else going on? I think specifically for a technical audience, two things collided. First thing is that oftentimes developers have been familiar with how open source has been, you know, developed and grown. So working remotely, it's not that foreign to them. But at the same time, organization as a whole may have been unwilling or unable to adapt overnight, which is fully understandable, especially mm. in the midst of the stressful situation that was unfolding. So a lot of technical people were somewhat ready or cognizant of how this may work. But I feel like from the management standpoint, team morale, and the fact that even a remote team, even a remote first team will tend to fly people around once a quarter, twice a year, so that you'll meet yep. and greet and you'll maintain social links. And that has disappeared altogether 
making it a desocializing experience per se, which is quite peculiar when you think of it because you cut what makes you relatable as a colleague, which is interacting from time to time in person. Yeah. So with that, you know, those things in mind, I, we've talked a little bit about kind of how organizations have adapted. How, how do you think individuals have adapted to this? What, what sort of, what sort of things have you seen kind of people adjusting to, to kind of cope with this, this new situation? So I've seen that like three different scenarios have emerged. I think that some junior developers I've been chatting with have had a lot of, you know, anxiety towards the situation and said that some of them would prefer to be on campus for their first say five year career, just because they'd like to get mentorship and in-person feedback from people that work with. So I think mm -hmm. it's good to acknowledge that a subcategory of technical professionals do want the interaction and do want to interact with other people, which I fully get. Uh, other people have said that they're very happy and excited to work remotely, but the way management is set up and structured either doesn't really fulfill their need as remote worker, or they understand that remote is only temporary until COVID clears up in their team, mm. making them think very, very seriously that extremely well-funded and well-renowned company are now welcoming you. You know, if you want to work at Stripe remotely, it's now an option, which did not used to be the case two years ago. So I think developers are seeing that they have more opportunities, like more numerous opportunities to become a senior individual contributor or manager without having mm -hmm. to go to the office, whilst maintaining some level of salary that may not be San Francisco grade, but is still very good and very appreciable, uh, depending on where you live. So I think that technical professionals have a real upside because basically they unlocked a new level or a new opportunity. They'll decide whether it's a fit for them at this point in their career, but you can now you know, train somewhere, then move away from that place and have a happy and long career without having to live in a big city, which is a great option to have, I would think. Yeah, no, no, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I, I can I quickly jump in. Uh, you just mentioned for junior developers and uh, some people starting their career, but uh, the past year from experience, new hires in general have gotten a lot harder to do because starting a new True. job even in the most normal circumstances is already a bit of a stressful situation because it's all yeah. new and you don't know who works what and having a social connection with those people does help to understand the, the meaning behind the words let's say the whole body language thing which works through video conferencing like we're doing now but is still limited and today having new hires start and the first day of work you're sitting behind your desk and i don't know what to do <laughs> That's been quite hard. And I know how my company, like sorry, the company I work for, I don't have a company, uh, is trying to make it work. Uh, is there anything there that you have seen that has changed uh, how companies approach new hires? I think that traditionally, meaning before the pandemic, there was expectation were adjusted in a sense that if you apply to a remote team, you knew what you'd get a remote experience. So it was mm. trickier, but you knew what you were into. Right now, a lot of people are not signing up to be remote employees. They're signing up to join a technology company that happens to import that remotely because of a pandemic. So a lot of people are not willing to just, you know, um, to take advantage of the situation. And, and it is very tricky for them as well, because the thing that makes work interesting for most of us is interacting with colleagues, being virtual or in person. 
And if you do not manage to create that social fabric over the internet, which can be tricky at times, then yep. it's pretty tricky because it's like the team and the work may be less relatable if you're not managing to meet people in person from time to time. So I've seen a lot of teams struggle to onboard new hires, as you mentioned, because it's harder to create that connection from the get-go having not seen the person, especially in a context where the, the new hire may want to see their colleagues and they may not want to be 120% remote at this time. Do you have any tips or tricks that or employers can try to make this a better a better situation for the new hire? Yeah, I feel like uh, people operation team do a great job at letting you know, you know, which documentation you should read, how you could go about the company culture. But I find that a lot of value is creating the software aspect of this, uh, having a buddy system, hmm. being, uh, you yeah. know, under an informal mentorship relationship with someone who joined the company maybe a year ago, uh, and yeah. you do not have, you know, like uh, ties with in, in a reporting manner is pretty helpful as well because eventually people you like are going to teach you the rope at work it's just you need to be more intentional about creating those bonds so making sure that the person is going to chat with you know a number of people through informal chats and having a mentor usually helps make the human connection side of onboarding a little bit better a little bit smoother in my opinion yeah i would like to add there that there's a bigger task on the mentor side there because just telling the new hire this is your mentor just reach out if you need something <laughs> that in my experience doesn't well it works somewhat but it doesn't work well enough because as a new hire it, you're, you're normally it depends on the individuals yeah that's you have fair. some very expert people that just do it and that's fine but in my opinion that's not the definitely the technical world the majority of people so i sure. think from a mentor i, I, I mentored myself you need to be a bit can I say pushy, but it's kind of hard <laughs> to find the right balance there. Because if you're too overbearing, it again becomes a negative, right? I, I, I would say that the, one of the things that there's been, um, been happening and I think across things is people have had to get more formal as to how, whether it's mentoring or shadowing or other methods of onboarding new people. I think in in the old world things used to be a lot more kind of loose and like mm. oh, we'll just we'll just figure it out you know it'll be fine and everyone kind of as as you mentioned earlier Rudolph you you've got these sort of you know meetings that even remote people will get together in some way shape or form whether it's you know regions or the whole company or you know different divisions or departments or whatever it might be and and you get that sort of that connection and that side of things but i think what i've certainly seen is you know those kind of onboarding processes or procedures or whatever guidelines for both mentors and mentees have become a lot more kind of rigorous to make sure that we're giving uh, you know everybody the same kind of experience from the from the, from the ground up and give everybody the the same kind of treatment and level of, of hopefully level of success. Mm. That's fair. Yeah, totally. Uh, I do think that's kind of part and part and parcel of the whole working remotely kind of thing. You have to have more structure in your life because it's so easy to just say, I'll sleep half an hour lay along and I'll work half an hour later tonight. You have to have that structure in place generically, but yeah, specifically for in a new situation and with new hires, it's important. 
it's often trying to think about serendipity you have face to face in an office mm -hmm. or in an in-person moment and trying to be intentional online and remote instead. You have to mm -hmm. be very intentional about, I will reach out to this person or I will take time for myself if I don't feel too good or I'll understand whether it is a requirement for me to answer Slack message within five minutes or, or whether we can be asynchronous in our communication. So there's a lot more that is left unsaid and sort of found out through uh, experience and through the process in the office that needs to be intentional as much as possible, I think, online. Yeah. A, a quick question. There's this concept of the always on Zoom, Teams, whatever channel. Before I say my opinion, do you understand the concept, what I mean? I think that there's, a, yeah, I understand the always on used to be a tool uh, called Squiggle that was uh, basically having, you know, sending snapshot of your webcap on and off. And there are a variety of monitoring tool. You also have tools that have, you know, recreate virtual offices as a mm -hmm. software. So there are plenty of things. I feel like remote work is the opportunity to work differently and not necessarily to copy and paste what you have yeah. in the office and put it online. So for my money, I'm not a huge fan of always on rooms. I feel like if two people want to get together for a chat, that's brilliant. You can do that within a few clicks. I do not think that, uh, you know, the virtual water cooler is something you need to overdo by having that place where you sort of need to huddle. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's something I didn't really feel comfortable with. Now, uh, in my office, now we have this uh, in between, let's say, where two times a week, you have an hour blocked, optionally, team time, team Zoom time. If you want to chat, if you want to have a bit of a break, then there's an opportunity, but there's no pressure to be in this always on virtual office environment. Yes, zooming out, I send that socializing at the office should be an opt-in because mm. you decide you know, how much you want to get into that as well. So I do understand that for company culture and you know bonding is important, but you would not force someone to just come to lunch with you every single lunchtime just because they have to. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't love to be requested to attend that social hour, whatever happened on a weekly basis myself. So we, we've talked about sort of how sort of organizations have adapted and we, we've talked a little bit about how people have adapted. How how have you seen, I mean, as you mentioned, right, remotive uh, .io is is a primarily a, a job site. How have you seen like jobs change through this last sort of year? Yeah, so first half of twenty twenty, companies were very exceedingly careful because of the potential economic crisis looming, and the, mm -hmm. so it was actually fairly quiet, counterintuitively. But second half mm -hmm. of the year, I think uh, a number of especially IT uh, companies and startup decided that a uh, show must go on. And a lot of them have seen their business go up uh, in a number of ways due to the pandemic and reliance on online services. So second part of the year, we see more company hire. And, and we see that as a trend across, excuse me, across the board. Every single site that does specialize in remote work, specifically for software developers, have seen more offers coming in. Uh, and companies be more intentional about offering up more jobs. So there's a definite trend on on the rise for remote work in IT slash startup slash, uh, you know, uh, companies that do technology. So I think that's a great positive signal. And that sort of drags forward central function and sales and product management and design, because every time you get remote software developer 
why wouldn't you have other remote jobs? So it started with software development, but it's pushing ahead part or most of the company function to be to be remote as well, which is great. Yeah. No, I think I, I think it's awesome. So what what do you think's the most negative change that you've seen over the last year from from your conversations with people? I think that um, oftentimes companies try to replace the office with more meeting to make up for the office time. So a lot of calendars I've seen have become more packed, uh, more dense, because a lot of companies wanted to maintain interaction, which I understand. And to some extent, it may feel like a missed opportunity to move towards a more asynchronous, a more, uh, I say, autonomous way to work, which is the mm -hmm. way in open source and other projects. And that has been tricky at times, just seeing that more hours get into fill, like the fear of not having connections anymore. But I understand it's it's a hard one to embrace remote work, so, so I understand that. Um, and the second thing that I wonder about, I wonder, I wonder, is the number of large tech companies, billion dollar companies, unicorns, uh, there are about a dozen of them that said they will be remote first. And I'm mm -hmm. very curious, you know, a year in coming summer 2021, to see how many of those are making good on the PR announcement they made, to see whether it's an actual thing from the inside or whether it was all for show. I'm still wondering yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, the one of the things that you mentioned was kind of, and we've touched on it a couple of times, was asynchronous working. I, I personally think that asynchronous communication is one of the most difficult it's one of the most important but also one of the most difficult things for people to truly embrace like there's a especially people that aren't used to remote working i always feel there's this um this expert that people even if they're told like you don't need to respond to any of these messages immediately like respond as and when it makes sense for you your hours your time zone all those kind of things you know your whether you're working on something else and yet people still often feel the pressure to to keep up some sort of kind of synchronous response and it i find it it's really difficult to um yeah to get people aligned with with that and when it eventually clicks it makes their life so much easier and you can almost see them um be become less Less, maybe less stressed over the time period where they understand that. I mean, have you have you seen that as well? Is that is that kind of commonplace? I think it is because if you think about the context, it's not only shifting to remote work that happens, but companies often have tricky economic outlook. So someone that goes remote all of a sudden, they go from being able to prove their worth by showing up at work to not being a hundred percent uh understanding of how management is going to perceive their work if they're not seen physically in person so i'm saying all of this because new remote workers tend to overdo it when it comes to being responsive in communication because remote yeah. work sometimes feels like a hack on your life or career and you do not want to be found out of fraud you do not want to be you know finding that there's someone who's auto clicking on your <laughs> keyboard just to have your green slack dot when people reach out to you, which is a thing that's seen such job source. Um, and the, the crazy thing here is how do you balance the fact that 
Yugo Remote, which is requiring trust and people to be autonomous at their work to letting people know that you're asynchronous, which as you mentioned, I agree with that is a level above of trust and saying, I also trust you to do things when you can do them. And you are the best person to know how to gauge your time, involvement and progress forward. A lot of middle managers, especially, are quite unsettled about that because traditionally they have the key of the kingdom. Kingdom, They could tell you, you know, to pick it up or to slow down or to be present at the office or to stay late to finish a project. And if you want both jumps at the same time, first one being remote, second being asynchronous, it becomes a tall ask in times of pandemic. So I know it's not perfect, but I agree with you that it's it's a big job to to get it right. Yeah. You, you mentioned something there that I think has also, uh, organizations have also had to change, which is performance management. Like it, you can't just, you can't just look at, okay, you know, so-and-so was in the office before 9am and, and stayed mm. until gone six, like that, that, I mean, you would hope that, that that sort of world had died out a long time ago anyway, but you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case everywhere, but really now people need to make sure that they're actually aware of, of, you know, what people are actually doing, that that's being, you know, understood that they're delivering the value that they're being, you know, employed to do. And I think that's, that's been a bit of a revelation for some people and some organizations. You, you could argue that most places should have been doing that already, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that's the case for some folks. Have you, is that again, is that something that I'm imagining or is that, is that a real kind of trend as well? It's, it's a trend. I think that when you've been working remotely for a time, you take a number of things for granted, which I think is what I do. And it's great. It's, it's a privilege. Uh, let's call it that way. And I also feel like there's a unspoken fear that's going to crop up in many people working remotely in 2021, especially at companies that just embraced remote work. And that fear is the following. It's saying, okay, so if I become remote hundred percent of the time and I only go to HQ say once a quarter, or I see my friends and colleagues once or twice a year, am I going to be lined up for a promotion and have the same chances as the person who's still sitting at HQ? We're still yeah. close to the CTO. Yeah. We're still able to be in those meetings, get those whiteboard session and so on and so forth. Is this going to happen? I don't have the answer, but I know the fear there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which, which kind of plays back into your point earlier about sometimes, uh, well, often, especially people new to remote working will try and overdo it. They will try and overcompensate for this, True. you know, to your point, this, this kind of thing that feels like a life hack, this sort of this bizarre way of working where they no longer need to, you know, jump in a car and spend an hour or 90 minutes kind of on the road three hours a day. Instead, they, they get up and they, they, you know, walk to a different room in their house and, and they're there and they're engaged and away they go. It, it sort of, one of the things that we, we often see is, is sort of people needing to find boundaries and needing to yeah. kind of define what, you know, make sure that remote working doesn't also take over their life. And it, it's always been a concern, but I think it's even more of a concern now because with many 
countries and and places having a, a kind of different degree of lockdown in place throughout the year it for many people that there almost hasn't been much else that they can do and so yeah they many people have poured themselves into it into into work and there's been it's not like an office where eventually the cleaners will come around and, and kick you out or security guards will want to lock up there's the potential to i mean you could work 24 hours a day seven days a week um i would not i would strongly not recommend it yeah but how it's... how do you think that's kind of impacting people and how 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 can we make sure that we're kind of safeguarding against that sort of burnout and that sort of experience? I guess when I see a talented tech professional go remote, I'm not worried about productivity so much. I'm worried about burnout because mm. as you said, with the context, work has been a clutch and work has been most of what people can do. And if you embrace uh, a shift to new team, new company, new, new, new norm, you will overdo it a little bit just to assert your place in the group. That's quite, that's human instinct, I think. So things that we can do is to lead with examples. I've seen and I've read a lot of declaration of intent from companies that say, we're going to be the largest remote company at our scale, Facebook, or we're going to be remote first, or we're going to be great remote companies. And the thing I'll say is a year after those PR release, can we go back to executives and C-levels and director in those companies and see how many of them work remotely and how much, like to what percentage? Because at the end of the day, the best way to safeguard your people from burnout is to set realistic expectation. And that does not go through PR, that goes through walking the talk. Does Do you have a CTO that's gonna log off at 6 p.m. whatever happened and gonna be walking away? Do you have uh, you know, a director of engineering that's able to say, I do not respond immediately to Slack messages because I'm doing something and I have focus time right now. I'll come back to you in time in the near. If you have those things and people see that those behaviors are positively reinforced and rewarded within the company, then we have a chance to see something good. If you left your to your own devices by default with the climate and remote work, I think people will tend to overwork. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got two things here. I mean, first thing, existential angst is setting in here. You mean if I work twice as long on something that somebody else, it doesn't mean I'm better? <laughs> For the company, maybe, but to, I would I would think you'll burn out faster as well. Yeah, but uh, I also want to come back to the uh, thing you said about uh, promotion and making sure that you're visible. I think there's two different ways of people looking at promotion. You have the one hand, the people that go for the, let's call the management career path, want to do the whole political game and make sure that the boss sees that you're there. Blah. That's one part, which I see less of the technical part, but still an important one for the technical people, which I hope I am one of, I would hope that these days promotion is more based on actual work uh, proof artifacts that you have created and there's still going to be a part of it because you're still competing against your peers let's say but i would hope that for the technical people it's less of a negative that you're not able to go to the office and show you your presence basically i hope that's the case i think that mm. in well-intentioned company will be the case. I also, that will get thing that will get to see the opposite effect, saying that oh well, you're a highly paid person in a low cost of living location, as as opposed to London, for instance, or Paris or San Francisco. So 
I think some people are going to be guilted into golden handcuffs and say, you have it good, that may be good enough for you because you make the same money as your you know, counterpart in big city. So yeah. I feel like if you get great technical leaders that are fair, you're going to do good. If you get people that have optimization in mind and more of a CFO outlook on things, I think that promotion, even though you stick to the individual contributor part and you don't want to jump to the engineering manager, I think there's still going to be a feeling of if you're left unseen, this may be trickier. It could be mitigated if, again, company walks the talk and you see great individual contributor being rewarded. But I feel like that's going to be a looming question mark for people that do it for the first time. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I'm biased here by my, I've always been working remotely and companies I worked for already had things in place, not based on where the office is located, but the uh, rumination was based on where you live. If you're living in San Francisco in the, the Silicon Valley, you got a bigger pay than if you were living mm. in the sticks somewhere, whatever that may be. But yeah, for people that have adopted the new style of homeworking, all of that stuff is still probably in the, in the in startup phase and getting it all set up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You make me sad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so we've we've talked about you know some of the some of the negative changes we've seen. Like what what do you think are some of the most positive changes you've seen? I think some of the most positive things are that companies are realizing that talent is not connected to your zip code anymore, and that is yeah. a revolution. When I read pre-pandemic, but it still holds true today, that Stripe was opening its fifth engineering hub not in a city, but remotely by itself. The reason they've been you know, sharing putting forward is that if they want to build the best international products, they need to have software developers that are connected with international markets, meaning that they live, breathe, and work everywhere. And finding that diverse teams, finding that teams that hail from all countries, nationalities, are faring better and are objectively a more creative and productive team has been a game changer. So I think that a lot of people that want to have career in software engineering outside of developed countries, outside of tech hubs, are going to be able to live a happy life wherever they are. And that's, that's a huge change because you're not only going to have to do the San Francisco dance to get you know, a, a shiny job. Uh, so it's opening up a lot more opportunity in tech. As a result, we'll see a more fluid job market for better and worse. I think that's, that's both of the things yeah. may be true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of companies that tend to be more traditional have been shut down for a year by now. And they've seen that their business somehow ticks if they get the next person in South Africa, in London, or in Ukraine. So that's opening up a world of possibility, I think. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we we sort of talked a little bit about remotive.io early on. I know obviously it from the outside it's a, it's a job board, but I know that you also you also consult with with organizations. You know how how has that sort of changed through this year? What what's have the the flavor of those sort of consulting engagements changed? Yeah, I think we've seen uh, remote work change from a perk that was offered by a handful of companies. Uh, we had a list that we published pre-pandemic with 2,500 companies hiring remotely. Today, if I go back to my data, I can probably pull over 10,000. So <laughs> that has been dramatically increased, and I'm sure I'm only capturing part of the data. I'm not comprehensive here. So the conversation has changed in a way that it used to be makeshift. 
you know, I used to live, I'm, I'm still living in France. And when a U.S. company wanted to pay me, they had to do all sort of arrangement. I had to set up myself as a sole trader here in France. They had to send me money to wire transfer at the beginning, then transfer wise, then other things. But that's no more. Uh, in 2021, we are seeing what I call the great EOR. This stands for Employer of Record. It's a great EOR war because all of a sudden you've got about half a dozen companies that raise over $20 million each and that are ready to tackle one of the biggest problems of all, which is how do I legally employ anyone anywhere? Yeah. Mm. It's been a huge job, only been solved through either makeshift solution like what I had or hundreds of thousands of dollars in consulting poured into traditional consulting companies, which is crazy. Um, and now you're going to have employment as a service. Starting $5.99 a month, you can hire someone wherever they are and make sure it's uh, you know waterproof when it comes to non-disclosure agreement, pay, and so on and so forth. The benefit to good people listening to us is that you also get you know a paper that you can show your bank saying that you are a full-time gainful employee of a company and not only setting yourself up as a sole trader if you want to have more yeah. stability. Yeah. You can get more benefits. You can get a lot more things out of it. So this, I believe, is a net positive for me in my formal life that used to hire people remotely and people that are wanting to work remotely as well. You're just going to get a better deal out of remote work, I think. I think that's that's fantastic. That's a, an incredible change. I think we'll, uh, we'll certainly... Well, we'll hopefully accelerate um, this uh, this continued this to continue further. So, I suppose you you mentioned some of the the scale of organisations there. Just as a as a question to sort of wrap things up and to maybe toot the horn of Remotive IO a little bit. You know, what what are some of the the things that that you've been able to to help organisations with? You know. What are some of the, the positives that you've been able to be part of? Yeah, so having started in 2014, I think that early on, we started to connect technology professionals, especially software developers, with companies that are welcoming software developers and other professions. So we've been very curious and crazy focused on selecting companies that are great to work for and list them and put that forward. So that when they have uh, you know job opportunities, we can connect them over thirty thousand email subscribers, our Slack community, our social network, and I guess we really want to be on the forefront of helping company hire remotely people that have either done it before or that are great experienced tech professionals. So we're not specialized in entry level or in any skill you have. You can work remote sort of thing. We really specialize in technology company and tenure professionals. And so far, it's been good to us. So uh, I'm excited about that. Well, that's wonderful. And, you know, that, for now at least, concludes uh, the first part of this uh, this conversation. Uh, it's been fantastic catching up with you again, Rudolf, and uh, hearing a little bit about Remotive.io and also all the, all the different things that you've seen from different organizations working their way through this. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Talk again soon. <laughs> so there we are. That's part one wrapped up, mainly focused around uh, how how 2020 has been and how uh, this new influx of people dealing with uh, remote working and working from home and 
everything uh, around that has has gone and once again thank you to rudolph for his his time as always his insights and we have yeah and his insight and we have plenty more uh, to come so stay tuned for our next episode anything else from from you on that yes no? that's next episode okay in that case that is let's wait for it wait for it all the time we have for today you can support this podcast by becoming a patreon every contribution helps we are on youtube you can like subscribe hit the notification bell see our happy smiling faces all of the youtube things uh, please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our patreon page and for more information about the podcast you can also follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag and send your feedback to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. Until next time, my name is Dave. And my name is, I guess we're not doing anything funny this time, Jon. I guess not, but we'll see you next week. Goodbye. See you then.